just trust me, okay? This is Michael, and tonight I am here with the amazing cat. How are you? I'm doing okay. I hope you are. You should be really excited. I know, I know you are a little bit nervous, but I will tell you this. Anyone who comes here for the first time always is nervous. So in about five minutes, we're not going to be able to stop you from talking. Trust me. <laughs> Just trust me, okay? So yeah. let's go ahead and talk a little bit. So Kat, you randomly, and if I'm, you can correct me if I'm wrong, okay. but randomly what happened was that you were doing some sort of a challenge on TikTok and it just kind of skyrocketed from so, there. Is that right? So, um, so I had a couple friends who were aware. Uh, I had a couple friends who um, who are aware of kind of my backstory um, with my with my marriage. Um, sent they all kind of sent me the same TikTok kind of separately, right? And so I decided that I should probably stitch that. Um, and I did. And How long I, had you been on TikTok prior? Not I had downloaded the app at some point during the pandemic, but it's a little fuzzy because I was drunk the whole time. Right. Um, but so glad you said that. Continue. Um, but not. I mean, I hadn't really made anything. I hadn't put anything up there. But um, but with this, um, you know, I put it up and and it just. It blew up. Now, this was in reference to a voicemail, and it's amazing. You, le- It was a voicemail that your ex-mother-in-law left, basically telling you that, no, she is going to be selfish, and she wants her son to spend Christmas with her. Was yeah, that correct? So the, so the situation was that um, we got married um, in December of 2016, and so um, about... Eight days before, yeah, it was eight days before the wedding that she left me this voicemail basically telling me that I could not come to her house on Christmas Eve because she wanted Sean to herself for Christmas Eve. And right. mind you, I had been there for previous Christmases, different holidays, etc. Um, so it was just this year that she decided that. And, um, and it was like we got married like a couple days after Christmas Eve. So it was just, it was a little insane. It was a little insane. But. And and so so when you got that uh, voicemail the first go like at very first before you even got it attached to this mm-hmm. um, infamous TikTok, mm-hmm. what were your thoughts when you got it? Were you just blown away by the audacity? Oh, I or you were used to it. You're expecting. So it. I actually remember it. I um, I used to do this thing at the place that I um, used to get my hair done when I lived in Maryland. Um, while my color was setting, I would um, go out to my car in full foils and I would drive through um, a fast food drive through and get food because I was always really hungover when I would show up to get my hair done and I was always starving. And mm-hmm. so I would go through the drive through in like full flo- uh, foils and a, a hairdresser gown. <laughs> okay. And so I was actually... Um, I remember seeing the call come through and I was like, I'm not answering this call. Like, because, you know, I just already knew that I didn't want to speak with her because of who she is as a person. And, uh-huh. um, and so I just let it go to voicemail and, um, and then I listened to it as soon as it came through. And I mean, yeah, it, my blood boiled, my heartbeat, um, like increased. I mean, it, like I had a physical reaction to it and yeah, I was, my I, blood boiled. My blood boiled. Um, <laughs> And then, you know, I did what um, what any girl with a great girl gang does, and I um, I proceeded to send it to all of my girls. And we had a lot of good ideas as to what to do with the voicemail. We yeah, because that's, it was, anyone who's listening, so first of all, where can they find you on TikTok? At K-A-E-K-8-8. 
K-A-T-1-1. Yes. So uh, I'm telling you all right now, go to her page there, or however, whatever you want to call it there, mm-hmm. and you're going to look for the one with, how many views has it had now? Uh, it's I think we're at 7.3 million the yeah. last time I checked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've got to go take a look at it. I'm telling you, it is worth it because when she showed me, I literally had no idea. And she goes, just take a look. And she's like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying. And I tell you, this is all in good fun. Kat is not full of herself. And she's like, I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> so she's like, I'm kind of a big deal on TikTok. So she showed me and I looked at it. It was so worth it. So worth the view. So please watch it. But yeah, we had a lot of ideas for it. We were thinking about playing it while she walked down the aisle at the wedding because I did eventually. Oh then, you know, I did get married if, like eight days after this voicemail came through. We had a lot of ideas. So for it, wonderful. But, but I'm actually a lot. I'm very glad that instead I just, you know, decided to hold on to it for four years and then after my divorce papers came through I, uh, <laughs> like you know really just the universe provides okay timing so is everything really is. it really is so. but i'm so glad you said what you said so you said that when all this came through and everything and you posted it you were drunk basically the whole time no this i posted this um in in sobriety. Okay. After oh, getting- you're saying when you got the voicemail. Oh, when I got the voicemail, I was very deep in active addiction. Yeah. So let's yeah. go ahead. So it's a great, I'm glad you phrased it that way. It's a good segue to this. So part of this is going to be, let's talk about where you're at so far. So you are from what area? Oh, loaded question, Michael. Um, I am originally from Arizona. Um, okay. I grew up in a military family. And so same here. We lived. What, al- what branch? Marine Corps. Oh, my. We lived dangerous. <laughs> we lived in um, quite a few places. Um, we moved a lot. Um, I went to nine different schools between kindergarten and twelfth grade. So I went. Any, I think all military kids know that. Yeah, because yeah, I've really, been to a slew of them myself. Right, right. And so, um, so what yeah. year? Like, what year were you born? Let's start. Nineteen ninety-three. So in ninety-three, you guys were out in Arizona, mm-hmm. and how long were you out there for? So the first time uh, we were in Yuma for three years, um, and then and um, my brothers were born. I have um, brothers that are twins that are two years younger than me, um, and then we moved to Quantico, Virginia, um, for a little okay. over a year when I was three. Then we moved back to Yuma for another three years. Okay, and then we moved to Monterey, California, um, and then we moved to Patuxent River, Maryland. How what? How old were you in Monterey? Six. Did you love it? No, I hated it because it was cold compared to Arizona. I was freezing. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so so Monterey, and then where did you move to after Monterey? Um, Patuxent River, Maryland. Okay. Um, no, I really wish I had been. Older so then you were cold there too. I was. Yeah, yeah. I was. That was actually cold. Like Monterey was not actually cold, but compared to you know, yeah, triple digits. I think anything compared yeah. to Arizona is pretty pretty right, fucking cold. Right, right. Except in Arizona, it does get really cold at night. Uh, not in Yuma. Really? Not in Yuma. Yuma is the far southwest. Okay, because I'm talking like Scottsdale. No, no, no. Yeah. That's 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 fancy Arizona. We don't. We're not like that. <laughs> we're not no, fancy. That's uh, that's that's different. Okay, so how old were you when you were in Maryland? Um, the first time I was seven. Okay. And then we moved to a place called. Um, it's a Navy base called China Lake. Um, it's in California, right? Oh. Um, the actual town is called Ridgecrest, California, but. Okay. Um, but the base is called China Lake. And the really funny part about that is that it's in the middle of like the Mojave Desert. Gotcha. There is no lake at all. Um, Oh, great. So it was a nice illusion. It was a way to maybe get people to move there. 
I mm, I, there were no people. There was like I think it was like population like negative fifteen more (laughs) more boroughs than people. Oh, okay, gotcha. uh, (laughs) But um, but you know we had a really great time out there. We um, there was a dry lake bed, so maybe that's where the China Lake thing was from. It used to be a lake. Yeah, we rode. Liz knows about things that have dried out, right? (laughs) You said what? (laughs) Fresh. So go ahead. Yeah, we bought, like, my dad bought, like, a fleet of dirt bikes for us to, like, <laughs> dirt bike around on. Why wouldn't he? Um, and I did a lot of horseback riding out there because I was really into equestrian. I still, I love horses. Um, and awesome. so, like, we actually had a really good time out there, but I think, I think it would have been tough to have been there, like, any older than I was because we did leave at the end of my sixth grade year. Gotcha. Um, and I think it would have, you know, um, like many, you know, rural areas, it was an area that, um, that did have a lot of issues with um, with drugs and stuff. Oh, wait, I became an addict anyway. All right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so that was how old over in the non-lake area? Right. Um, we moved there halfway through third grade, and I finished sixth grade there. You moved so much in such a short time because right. I know I moved a lot, but I guess I did move a lot. My dad had gone overseas, and we couldn't go with him, so we had to move back to where my mom was from, oh, and wow. then we moved with him after that. But, yeah, there was like... <laughs> Like a whole gap in time there for a little bit. But yeah, I feel you. I feel you. But don't you feel like it made you better at being a little more open and not so wallflowerish by moving all the time? Oh, definitely. By the time I got to my third high school, I... Wa- <laughs> Your third high school. <laughs> I walked into the cafeteria and I just... And I, I was at a very big high school in Annapolis, Maryland. I walked into the cafeteria. I saw a table um, of girls that looked like me and looked like people I was You're like, to be we're going to be with. friends. Well, and I just sat down in the middle and it was really awkward because nobody <laughs> they knew didn't me. Know you. But I did that for a few days in a row and eventually, like, they started talking to me because I was there and I, you know, I was dressed I like it. them, I looked like them, whatever. And um, and to this day, I mean, those girls were, um, a lot of those girls were in the wet said wedding from four years, four and a half years ago now. And, oh, they um, were? Yeah. That's and, awesome. And um, we're actually still really good friends. We're um, in a couple weeks, we are going to a bachelorette party. Um, for another one of those girls. So we do they ever close. reference that memory of like, you used to just come and like sit and we were like, who the hell are you? I really, I should bring it up with them. In fact, like we've, well, been- when they listen to this girls, bring it up. Cause I know they're going to listen in and they'll be like, yeah, I guess she did kind of just sit there and bomb out our party. So, <laughs> but yeah, I had it down to a science at that point. Like I was, you know, I was not going to do the mean girls thing and sit and eat in the bathroom. Like I was not going to do it. Well, and so- I think what's interesting too about this is it's just like, there's a lot of people and that's why I like to talk to people about their life journey so far or, you know, recovery story, stuff like that, just because given people the same circumstance, if you give it to like 10 different people, all 10 will do something different. So if someone else had been in your shoes, instead of sitting at that table, they would have sat alone. They would have cried about it later. They would have avoided lunch. They would, you know, whatever. You don't know. But like you chose to go, I'm going to be proactive and you're all my friends now. (laughs) So (laughs) they worked. Definitely. And I definitely think the timing was really perfect because by the time I got to that school, I had it down, and I think that if I had started there maybe as a freshman, things could have gone differently okay. for me, but I, I think the timing was very, very perfect in that I had been to two schools that were smaller prior to that, and so my grades were good. I was already going to be in honors and AP classes already, so I was already going to be you know in this cohort of people, right? and, um, and I, I'm really grateful for that because um, I think... I was, I definitely could have gone a different Could have gone either way. And and then again, like, it's funny for me to say this out loud, because like, yes, of course I did, like, 
later to become an addict yeah, which, <laughs> which we're gonna get into that too but what i wanted to know was so of all the places you lived at you said you mm-hmm. went to like nine different schools i did so where was your favorite city Ooh, or um, your top two? Oh my goodness um i mean i think that there was really great things about all Every of place. the places we lived and then there was also did you live out of the country at all no okay no we never lived out of the country um we just we lived in the desert most of the time okay. um, because of what my dad did in the Marine Corps, and um, which you would think that you would probably like since you'd like it to be warm. Right, right, right. So yeah, I mean, it, it was good. I really, um, I don't think I could choose. You know, there's definitely like strengths for all of them. And I think that the timing was right for all of them. Like, I'm glad that like I love the heat in Arizona, but I'm glad that I left the school system there when I did because right. um, they have very, very terribly underfunded schools in the state of Arizona, and so I. I'm very glad that I got to finish high school elsewhere. So, yeah, I mean, it. yeah, there was good things. So as you were getting closer to graduation, what was the thought process from your family? What was your family life like growing up? Um, I had a really, like, traditional kind of conservative family. Um, my dad was an officer in the Marine Corps. My mom stayed home. Um and yeah, definitely ra- uh, raised Catholic, um, mm. raised in a family that, you know, um, you know, that it wasn't overtly that, um, well, we'll get into that. But, okay, okay, <laughs> gotcha. Um, but yeah, and so. Um, Just conservative, very, Catholic. Very conservative, very. But were you guys close? My, I would say my brothers and I were close just based on like that we were born so close together. I was, I was, I had turned to the month before they were born. Right. So it was a lot of little kids at once. It was just my family life. I would say it was chaotic because it was three little kids, like okay. all at once. Like there was three kids in diapers at one time. Right. Um, and, you but, know, but what I'm getting at yeah. too, though, is it wasn't like a family with like your parents got divorced or heavy nope. drinking or abuse or any of this. They're still married. Um, and I'll just say that for now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. So next up, so you're getting close to graduation. Your mm-hmm. your family life is solid. Um, they're encouraging you. What was their thoughts of what you were going to do post-graduation? So something that was really instilled in my brothers and I growing up um, was that like student debt was probably one of the worst things that you could have. Okay. And that it was really important to... Um, Get scholarships, pursue that scholarships or just to kind of make your own way. Like definitely a in that conservative upbringing of the, you know, you make your own way. You pull yourself up by your bootstraps up X, Y and Z, Um, which I think people would expect that from the daughter or children of a Marine. Well, and that's, you know, in my in my dad's eyes, that's what he did. Right. In my dad's eyes, he didn't have any privileges or advantages which right. i know that you, which we know that he did but he, in his eyes he's self-made okay um and so he expected that to be us and so it was really instilled in us um but but again like a lot of the things that were instilled in us were very covert like very subtle like kind of undertones right and so you know i could have gone to college somewhere and they would have paid for it but like we weren't that wasn't what you encouraged to do no and it was you know and and they could do it and like i think without them even realizing it but the way that they would talk about things you know about just you know other other people and what they were doing etc so i and i also had extremely um like low self-confidence low self-worth at this point even though i was you know an honorable student swim team captain x y and z like i didn't think that i deserved for anyone to pay for my college um well on that note we're gonna go ahead and take our first break and we'll be right back stay tuned 
Welcome back. So you didn't really feel like you had a lot of self-worth. You wanted to go to college, but you were kind of having it put in your head that, okay, yeah, we'll pay for it. But if we pay for it, we're going to hold it against you. You should be pursuing scholarships. And it's funny that you say that because my first boyfriend, his family, his father was an officer in the Marines. And but they were framing it very differently. Like for them, they were like, because his mother was also very successful, too. And so they both were like, look, we worked so hard so you didn't have to work as hard. So we want to be able to afford you opportunities. They only wanted him to get a scholarship just so that way at the private school he graduated from once he got like once they announced everything, he could like stand up to be acknowledged that he got a scholarship. It was only for, like, I think $200 a semester, but she was like, at least you got one. But, like, your parents wanted you to get, like, a full ride, so that way you could, quote-unquote, be self-made, too. Is that right? I think so. And, yeah, I, I, I truly, I'm honestly, you know, I'd have to ask them, but I honestly don't think that they even have that level of insight to be able to answer, like, what their aim was. Because okay. it, wasn't just, it wasn't just me that went through, you know, the route that'll take you on it was all three of us and it didn't work out for all three of us gotcha gotcha yeah so okay so graduation's coming you have all this stuff going for you what are you thinking because what i was wondering was did your family have anything like we want you to be a doctor an engineer a lawyer or they just wanted you to do something productive they didn't care so my parents were always you know oh, you can do whatever you want. Like they, you know, like I think that was kind of classic like 90s parenting. Like you can be anything you want to be. But also like when I was younger, like one of the first jobs I can remember wanting to be uh, was a lawyer. And my dad was very adamant. I did too. Yes. (laughs) My dad was very adamant. He's like, no, the world has too many lawyers. Like meanwhile, his brother is a very like successful like. (laughs) I had an uncle that told me that he was like, lawyers are crooks. I was like, okay, maybe not. My uncle has a very, very successful law firm um, in a different part of the country. And your dad was not really encouraging that no no and so i just i gave it up but also it that came as i got older i was like well i'm not worth paying for law school i'm not you know i'm not worth any of these things and i really just honestly what i wanted um was to just get married and and have kids right and so but also because and i think you voiced that here recently that you really wanted that <laughs> so i mean you, you still went through school but you kind of have been wanting that like i want to be a mom oh my god i've wanted a baby since i was 14 we'll have to get into that uh, in another time we'll be getting to that soon so okay so um, so graduation's here and your family's very supportive of you just doing something that's good Right. Well, because you have to remember, like, we're upper middle. But not an attorney. We're upper middle class. And so there's <laughs> right. a status expectation that you will go to uh-huh. a four year university. Like, community college, absolutely. Like, undertones of, like, ew, yucky. You know? Oh, so uh, they were like, don't even do that. You need to go to a four year school and, straight out and the ag- gate. And again, that could have just been, like, my attitude. Um, also, like, just with living in Annapolis, but it just wasn't really something that people in our neighborhood or people like us did. Right. And so, um, and so, but no, what I wanted at that point, I just wanted to get married. Um, and I had a boyfriend at the time who was at the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, Colorado. So, um, you know, and Freud would have a field day with this with all of these motivations of, you know, because Freud says that everything is sexually motivated. Sigmund I, Freud. I went ahead and um, 
got a Marine Corps ROTC scholarship to go to the University of Colorado Boulder, which is conveniently located like two hours away from Colorado Springs. So how convenient, <laughs> how convenient. <laughs> and, and, and what a like manipulative plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like that took a lot of steps. <laughs> like, so yeah. you, so, okay. So then what happened from there? So um, I had never been to the state of Colorado. But you were excited. But I was excited. Because your family was where? Maryland. Exactly. Um, and so I had never been. Oh, no, that's that's not true. I, I went once to the state of Colorado to visit said boyfriend. Right. Um, Which, yeah. like you said, manipulative. Oh, God. But. Yeah. And um, and so at 17, because uh, I have an August birthday. So at 17. Of course you do. <laughs> we both do. Leo's. Lioness. <laughs> um <laughs> Lizzo. Go ahead. Um, so at 17, I, you know, my parents and I packed a bunch of suitcases, flew southwest so we could take two free suitcases each of my stuff and went out to Boulder, Colorado. And they dropped me off for Marine Corps OTC orientation week. And, nice. Um, and I hated it. <laughs> Absolutely hated it. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So what was wrong with it? Was it not what you thought it was going to be at all? I mean, if you got an ROTC scholarship, I assume you were already involved, kind of? No, I mean, I I knew the Marine Corps from the perspective of my dad's Marine Corps. I knew the Marine Corps from the perspective of, you know, in his particular community in the Marine Corps, in the aviation community, it was very close-knit. And we did have, we had amazing, amazing family friends that, Mm -hmm. like, that I grew up with. Even though we moved so much, we would, like, have people stationed with us again and, like, over and over. And, like, those are people that I still, like, call aunt and uncle. And, you know, it's, like... And so I looked at it as, you know, the Marine Corps is home for me. The Marine Corps is family to me. And so this will be okay. Um, But what I left out... Where, what I didn't consider was I wasn't going to my dad's Marine Corps. I was going in as a woman. Right. And that made all the difference. Um, and so the experience, no, it was not, it was not the Marine Corps um, that I, that I remembered because my dad's was an all, it was all male officer aviators. Like, and they oh, were, right, right, right. You know, and, and, and then their families. So it was really the families right. that, I, that I had fallen in love with. But really it was, I mean, I think my thought process really was like, well, you know, I can at least like probably ride my dad's coattails over in this family business long enough to get college paid for, then do the four year payback. And then by then I'll be, you know, an acceptable age to like get, have children and stay home. Right. You know, so. Yeah. So that was kind of. Yeah, I think that was the plan. Um, that that was as far as I had gotten. <laughs> so how long were you there? You said you hated it. So how long did you end up staying there? Two and a half years. And what were some of the things, if it was only two and a half years, what led to you leaving? Um, I mean, skips a lot, but um, eventually I was medically withdrawn from school by a psychologist at the school. Because? Because I was very unwell. Um, my mental health was a disaster. Um, my, my alcoholism was definitely starting to show its head. Um, so yeah. when, at what point during you going off to school, when did you start drinking? Oh, I mean, I had started drinking, um, you know, I like, you know, I'd had drinks, but then I started drinking senior year of high school and then I kept drinking in college. You know? So when you were drinking in high school, was it just like, you know, high school kids, sometimes they'll be partying and have some drinks? Or did you already right out the gate start compulsively drinking? 
Um, I mean, I didn't drink alone in high school. Okay. I will say that. Uh, well. <laughs> Until you didn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Until you did. Well, I'm thinking about, okay, so the first time I got drunk, um, I was in the Florida Keys visiting my grandmother, um, af- like, on- This what- is, like, what year? Um, I was 16. Okay. So, I don't, I don't know what year it was. Okay. But I was visiting my grandmother, and um, I was at a New Year's party, um, like a New Year's Day party. It was during the day. Okay. That, um, of course had, it was. That she and her friends put on in the Florida Keys. And, um, and you know, kind of like in the Florida Keys, like everyone is so old that if you can like see over the bar, they assume you're legal. Right. And by 16, like I looked like an, a grown adult, you know. And so, um, so there was a bartender at this party. It was just a house party, but there was a bartender. And so, um, so I, you know, was just getting getting shots actually from the bartenders yeah yeah now this stone it's starting to sound more serious uh, i was getting shots from the bartender and um and that was the first time that i got drunk so i was right. um in the florida keys with my grandmother and so i wasn't alone i was at a house party but i'm pretty sure i was the only one that was drunk right. so i wasn't alone but was kind of drinking alone like very secretly at the bar because my grandmother didn't mind if i like drank like the eggnog but she was not gonna let me have shots at 16 you know so so yeah i mean yeah i was hiding it and then um but i remember like standing up at one point to go to the bathroom and had that feeling you know of being drunk and i was like this is it this is it so at 16 you already knew that you were liking that feeling oh i loved it and then as soon as i got home from that trip i sought out every opportunity to go to house parties like i had like you know like my friends in high school were very like you know straight edge like we didn't get in trouble we um we were all like student government athletes different things like um and but i like i knew which friends i could go to uh-huh. that would take me like to right. parties that as I could, everybody knows to, that yeah. i that would take me to parties where i could get alcohol and it was like i would go to parties and like i'm like i don't i don't even like like any of these people but mm-hmm. i wasn't there for them yeah i'm here I to was, drink i yeah i would walk in i would immediately like out the gates um i think i would take six shots and because i was afraid we were going to run out of alcohol right because we we're in high school yeah. and um, <laughs> and then i would just kind of like wander around the rest of the time and that yeah because i loved being drunk so did your family start noticing anything or you hit it successfully oh no they didn't notice because my brothers were having enough issues at that time and i think but by this time you have to remember i was uh late junior year um right and so you know the, yeah second semester junior year and they're kind of like well like she's she's okay she's like taking her sats her grades are good like she's doing so because amazing. for all intents and like, purposes you looked fine yeah i looked yep. fine on, yep. on paper i was thriving so yeah yeah <laughs> like she's the she's the least of our worries no Thank seriously God. my dad would refer to me as the fire and forget child he's like yeah we just we, he's like, I just, I, I shot you and I didn't worry about where the bullet went because I knew it was fine. I was like, maybe you should have worried. The fire and forget child. The fire and forget child. So. Okay, so <laughs> you were until, so it was two and a half years that you were away at school in Colorado. Yes. When within that two and a half years, how long did it take? I'm assuming not long at all for it to go straight into like, well, I'm going to just start drinking and partying so I can make it through this. Um, Let me see. So freshman year, I was in the dorms. Um. And yeah, I mean, immediately, like I was very isolated. I felt very alone, um, even though I lived in a small room with two other girls. Did you express that to anybody? um, I mean, I think my friend, my girlfriends, the ones that I referenced from high school, who I'm still very close with, like they knew and I would, you know, I would talk to them and like the, yeah, the transition was hard, but I felt very alone because I wasn't the same as the other girls because I had this 
ROTC thing, and like that yeah. was that was oh, really true, that true. was really weird, right? Like that was really weird. Like so, it separated you. It separated me, and like all the other girls were, you know, joining sororities, um, and and I was like on Thursdays wearing a uniform, like I was wearing right, khakis, right. and like you know, and so yeah, I just I felt really separate. I felt like I didn't belong there. Most of the girls were West Coast girls. Like there's a lot of people oh, from okay. California gotcha, gotcha. who go there, and um. Yeah, and I just, it was a very big culture shock, um, and I didn't feel like I really connected with people there, and that was really hard, because I had moved a lot, I had gone to a lot of schools, I had this, like, friend-making thing down, but in college, it was different. Right. It was really different, and I, and also, like, you know, going back to, like, I've wanted a baby since 14, right, like, I really loved, you know, and the reason I loved the Marine Corps, or I thought it, you know, that that I grew up in was because it was very family oriented. Like, right. I was babysitting. From what you saw. Well, I was, yeah, I was babysitting a lot. And like, you know, everybody, like, it was kind of like, it was a community. It was like a village. And, and <laughs> yeah, it takes a village. It takes a village. And when you, and my experience at being at a, at a, in a town like Boulder that is so heavily university with a giant university mm-hmm. is there's not a lot of age diversity. Right. So it was all people between the ages of like 18 and 22 and 18 through 22 year olds are extremely selfish. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't thrive in that. I was like, I need, you know, but obviously I'm able to say that now I didn't realize that at the time. I just knew I was not happy. Right. So, so you weren't happy. And did it occur to you? And a lot of people, you know, who don't deal necessarily directly with addiction or being able to admit that they had a problem, even if it was just for a certain period of time. Um, did you did it occur to you to talk to somebody and be like, you know what, I need to go talk to a counselor, I need to talk to a professor, I need to talk to, you know, one of the people that was above you, anything? So, so, so I'll have to skip to the next year. So I got through freshman year, like, whatever, my yep. grade, grades were fine, it was fine. Um, I hated ROTC, I wanted to leave, and I could have left after the first year with, like, you know, had that free year and then just not come back and it would have been fine. But, okay. But if you come back for sophomore year... And you, you start, start committing. Then you then you commit and you either owe them financially or you owe them, you know, time in the military. And okay. so I didn't want to come back. I had no intention of coming back. But. Like I, but I felt trapped. I felt like I had already made this decision. I was raised in a family. We don't quit. I was going to say, it sounds like your family was probably like, if you don't go back, we're definitely going to call you on it. Oh, uh, and not only that, but like, I mean... I I wouldn't have lived it down like or I felt that I wouldn't have lived it down right. and and I didn't I had no plan you know I like and again I'm still dating said Air Force Academy boyfriend right, right. And so like well like you know maybe maybe I like that'll make me happy whatever so um so for well, whatever reason but at this point yeah. you had no plan so yeah. we're gonna go ahead and on that note take another break okay. and we'll be right back okay. stay tuned. Welcome back. So you didn't have a plan at that point and you were still dating Mm -hmm. the same guy. Yes. And so what ended up transpiring then? So um, so I go back to boulder that august of you know the sophomore year and i move into an off-campus apartment um and um and that's when i started being able to drink the way that i wanted to because Mm -hmm. i wasn't in the dorms i wasn't having to worry about you know whatever i could throw my own house parties and um and 
you know, so being freshly 19, because again, you know, it's August again. So, yeah. Um, and, um, yeah. <laughs> what did you, yeah, it, what did it, you end it, up doing? It very quickly, Spiraled. it very quickly turned into drinking in the mornings before yep. things I did not want to go to. Yep. It very quickly turned into drinking for any physical pain control. It now, very, were you still sharing a room? No, I oh, okay. had my own room at this point. Okay, I, I was going to say, so it was well, a lot easier to hide it. Well, I mean, I was sharing a bed most of the time with, with somebody, but yeah, I had my own room. Gotcha. So, um, Not no. with boyfriend. Oh, well, so by this point... Um, no boyfriend. By No, so I had, well, they overlapped, but gotcha. um, yeah, basically, um, you know, this guy who was much, much older, and again, I had just turned 19... Um, you know, brought some alcohol to a party at my house. I blacked out. Um, and then I don't know, then we just ended up being together for <laughs> right for a while. For a while, <laughs> uh, it happens. Um, and so you know, and I can, yeah, yeah, <laughs> hey, it happens. So, so that ended up happening. You got rid of the other boyfriend. Oh, yeah, because, well, and that was the thing, too, is, like, he, at that point, I was like, he's not fun. He doesn't drink. Oh. Because, <laughs> because, because, get this, both of his parents were alcoholics, so he made the very mature decision that he wasn't going to drink. And I was like, oh, boring. <laughs> <laughs> I think some would call that irony. Yes. No, ridiculous. <laughs> okay, so, he was boring, so, and then on top of that, you had this other guy that was bringing liquor, so you're like, clearly, I'm going to get rid of you. Yeah. And keep this. So, yeah. you kept him, mm-hmm. and then... How much longer before it fully spiraled to the point that you had to leave? Um, and is that what led to that? So, so I would say that that night was the first of a series of situations where, and now years later, I'm able to look back and say like th- that, you know, there was sex that I could not consent to. Okay. And, and that was not just with him, you know, there, that led to a series. And so after the third the third occurrence of that, um, you know, I finally went to the counseling center um, at my school. And, you know, what I walked in and said, <laughs> this was my presenting problem, ready, Michael? I mm-hmm. said, when I drink, I seek out male attention in an unhealthy way. Okay, that's and what you told them. Th- and that was what I told them. And looking back now, you know, almost almost 10 years removed from that, I couldn't s- articulate it then, but that was my way of saying that, you know, I, I have a drinking problem. And because of that, I'm being, you know, I'm being sexually assaulted when I go out because I have no control over my drinking and I am blacking out. And then I'm having sex that I cannot consent to, or people are having sex with my body. And like, right. So, um, and so, yeah. And I got to a very, very dark place. And then at this point I'm living with the boyfriend, the new boyfriend at this point. And all this is going, all of this is transpiring and it's, it gets very ugly very quickly. And, um, you know, so I start seeing the counts- the psychologist there. And I, to this day, I think her name was Carla. Okay. And she, she probably saved my life. Um, and, like, I, yeah, she really, she was very gentle with me. And, um, and we were able to go kind of at a pace that I was comfortable with. And definitely, like, I still like you know before leaving boulder was never able to talk about like yeah like these things are going on and you know um but she was able to help me to the point she was able to see just how sick i was Mm -hmm. and so then eventually that following fall semester so that that i was a first semester junior at that point yep 
she saw like, hey, you're really. It's only getting worse. Well, she was like, you're really, you're really sick, and you need like psychotropic intervention. You need medication. Because, well, and the yeah. I guess the question I have for before we get to yeah. that then would be, so your family now has seen you for two separate summers. Mm-hmm. Did they know, see anything, hear anything, or you just kept it together each summer until um, you went back? Well, I I mean, I really wasn't home for the summers because that first summer after freshman year, I was in San Diego for a month um, for ROTC. Oh, okay. And then, and then that's, that following summer, I didn't want to leave the boyfriend, and so I got a job um, nannying out in Colorado. So I oh, so nobody even saw you no, between really. semesters. And if you were nannying, you were able to keep it together while you were nannying, or were you were drinking? Oh no, no, I didn't. I like I never drank while working while working ever in any job that I had actually. Okay, um, but I would you know like many alcoholics, like I would you know I would drink as soon as I got home or whatever. Um, yeah, honestly, like I don't have a whole lot of uh, memory from that time period, but right. um, but yeah, I I do know that I was not drinking at work, but I was terribly hungover. I was terribly hungover right. a lot of the time, and that definitely definitely affects you. So yeah, um, being hungover is definitely a problem as well. But you, so <laughs> so during those summers, there was that. Then you get back to school for junior year. Your counselor's telling you like you're gonna need not just like therapy, you need medication. Mm-hmm. So then what ended up happening? So at that point. I was so miserable and And what year are we talking this is probably This is 2013. Okay. And at that point I was so like I was so sick, me- you know, mentally that I I was like I will literally do anything to not feel the way that I feel because Absolutely. at that point like the drinking was only doing so much for right. me and I was I was miserable and um and so, you know, she's like, you need medication. And I was like, well, I can't take that in ROTC. She was like, okay, then, like, you need to leave ROTC and do your medication. I was like, honestly, great, because I've hated this the whole time. Right. Um, and so anyway, um, then it, you know, it transpired a little bit further that once we didn't have ROTC as a barrier, she was able to really, like, you know, I was able to get on um, an antidepressant. She was able to further evaluate and it was seen that I probably had a deeper mood disorder going on. But you were at school on a scholarship through ROTC, yes. right? So you had to stop ROTC. So financially now you were responsible for school. Oh, no. She not only said you need to stop ROTC, she was like, you're not well enough to be in school right now. Oh, okay. So she, and like, again, like, I don't know what I would have done because I felt so, so trapped if she had not walked me through that process and medically withdrawn me and really like forced me kind of to to take care of myself the way that, that I didn't know that I needed to at the time or that you had really the option like right. how to go about that I didn't know and I felt very very trapped and I felt like I was you know that the walls were closing in very very quickly and so um and I'm just so grateful that she saw that and was able to um, well, shout out to somebody that's actually doing their yeah, job shout, properly. Shout out to Carla if you're if you're still out in Boulder. Like, thank you. Um, that's but, amazing. I mean, that is amazing. Yeah. There's people that so the very once again another counselor who maybe was just like, oh my god, another drunk kid, mm-hmm. which could have just been like, whatever, you just blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. But instead, this person was actually awake at the wheel. She was incredible. That's awesome. She was incredible. That's great to hear that. And she also what she did is she referred me to a dialectical behavioral therapy group that met through like through the school and i mean truly like university of colorado boulder has incredible mental health services that's amazing it is it it was amazing and i am yeah it Um, saved your life it saved my life because 
Yeah, because there was just no way. So, okay, so all that starts going on. What happens once you are medically released from school? Um, I slept like 14 hours a day. And Where I, were you at that point? I was still in Boulder because okay. I was like, well, what now? <laughs> what did your family say? Did they know right away? My family knew, but I really don't have a lot of memory from that time period. Go so figure. <laughs> yeah, of course so not. So I'm not totally sure. I think there was probably the sentiment of like, you need to get it together. Like, right. what are you doing type thing? Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, they're not like so cold hearted and so unaware that they were like, no, stay. Even if you're going to, you know, like hurt yourself. Like right. They, you know, but it was kind of like also like a mm, you're being dramatic. Like um, and my dad's whole thing was always like, well, you know, I know what mental illness looks like because my mother was very mentally ill. So unless you're, you know, like seeing things that aren't there, like you're not mentally ill. Like right. for him, it was like you're it's all or nothing. Like mental illness is like you're either needing to be locked up in an mm-hmm. asylum or you're fine. Right. Like yeah. there's no spectrum for him. And I think he has come a long way and maybe accepting that. I don't know. We don't currently speak, so unsure. But um <laughs> Well, hopefully he comes around to that because I mean Because all it- three of his children all three of his children are addicts. Wow. And um, none of us drink anymore. Two of us are in the same recovery program and one does a different program. Okay. And yeah, so we are three for three. Yes. Um, so yeah. so when you left there and you're still staying there, how long were you in Boulder before you were able to go ahead and start going back to school? So I left then that Christmas break because again – Everything was for image, right? If I had up and moved in the middle of the semester, that would have raised some eyebrows. Right. So I just stayed. Not very many people knew. I don't think that I wasn't still in school. Oh, okay. And I just, you know, I lived in the house that I rented there with, you know, remember said boyfriend, he's still there. Right. And, um, and roommates and stuff. And I just, I don't think really anyone knew. Right. <laughs> um, gotcha. And, and then at Christmas break, I went home to Annapolis and I stayed. And, um, and then at that point, like it, it was a very, very, very low point to come back and live at my parents' house at that point because, um, you know, my, they were very disappointed in me. Right. Right. Um, which I'm sure you expected. It's not like you expected them to be like, yeah, you're home. Yeah. Right. They were very disappointed, um, that I indeed turned out to, um, have mental illness and, (laughs) Um, but you know, they just thought that I was, I don't know. So you're back home at like, this is what, like 2014, 15. This is the very beginning of 2014. I was 20. Okay. And, um, and so at that point I was like, you know what I, I tried at one point, uh, while at that very low point, that fall semester to make a list of things that made me happy. Oh, which is good. A gratitude list. Mm, Ish. So (laughs) on that list was dogs, babies, and sunlight. (laughs) I mean, it's it's basics, but it was at least progress. Right. It was something. Right. And so when I was trying to figure out, like, what am I going to do when I get home? Like, I was like, well, school is off the table right now. Like, I'm I'm not OK. Um, and I will say, like, my parents did recognize that I had to be in therapy. And right. such. And so that was that was definitely they were supportive of that piece. Um, and but so the I the job I ended up getting um, and I had babysat for years, but I ended up getting a job um, three days a week as a nanny right. for newborn twin girls. Oh, OK. And that was kind of a dream. It was kind of a dream because I love babies and it brought it started to bring some joy back into my life. But also what it gave me was um, and again, like, you know, timing and God is amazing because 
the people that the parents that I ended up working for, um, the the woman, his name is Courtney, and she ended up being like an aunt to me. Um, and still to this day, we talk weekly. Um, and the girls are turning eight this year, so it's we had been- someone else on here that she was. Well, she was an au pair, but yeah, yeah. a little different. Same thing. Yeah, different. But yeah, but in the sense that yeah, she got really close because mm-hmm. I mean, you become essentially mm-hmm. a part of the family. Yeah, and she and and Courtney and Dave always made me feel that way, and they always supported me, and I always felt like I was able to be really open and honest with them about the things that I struggled with, etc. And like Courtney was huge in my journey of uh, of eventually having the confidence to. Um, you know, go a different direction with my career because a lot of people are career nannies and there's nothing wrong with that at all. Like career, honestly, I think I made more nannying than I do as a social worker. Um, but, you know. And yeah. you were with them for how long? I was with them until the girls were almost three. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. It was, so you did that for a while as kind of almost like a therapeutic break from school. It really was. Um, but I will say I only... <laughs> this is actually really funny. I had forgotten about this. So anyway, so I took that semester off. So that's okay. January through May. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to, I do at least want to turn these credits into an associate's degree. Right. Because I wanted some like closure on it. I was like, you know, obviously. Oh, to close this oh, chapter productively. Oh, and I almost forgot. By that point, I had a bipolar type 2 diagnosis. Wow. And a borderline personality disorder diagnosis. Okay. Um, and that had, you know, come to light like between the, I think, I don't again fuzzy, but somebody diagnosed something in Boulder, and then right. um, and then I was able to start therapy. I was able to start therapy um, when I got back to Annapolis, and uh-huh. you know, um, and and I didn't feel at that point that I had to hide any of my symptoms because I wasn't trying to like salvage ROTC oh, or anything. Right, right. So, um, so when I was able to be open, um, you know, I did get those diagnoses, which were a, a huge relief, honestly, because I was like, wow, there's, you know there's names for what I've been feeling, um, you know, when I would like, and, and there's other people like me. And that was very comforting. Cause I always felt like I always thought that, um, <laughs> well, I always thought that like that everyone that, in high school wanted yeah. to kill themselves and it was just something that we didn't talk about. Isn't it funny how we do that where we try to <laughs> minimize it thinking like if I'm having whatever thoughts I'm having, I guess it's just all of us, but nobody really says anything. Yeah, I really... Because I can totally relate to that. I think a lot of people <laughs> listening probably can, too, where it's like, oh, yeah. if I've thought it, I'm sure everyone's thought it. And then when you t- say it out loud, people are like, no. <laughs> right. Yeah. I thought, and so... Um, so it was it was honestly a, re- a relief to get those diagnoses and just... And then because, you know, and it, it was for me... It was similar then, you know, years later when I found out I was, I was indeed an alcoholic because... Because you're like, oh my god, maybe there's hope then. Maybe, maybe there's treatment for this, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and so, so anyway. But at this point, and again, I don't even know how to like. I really forgot about this chapter of my life. Okay, so that May of 2014. Oh, and by the way, um, by this point, because um, like, so until my separation and divorce, I had not been single since I was 16 years old. Right. Like at all. Like everyone had overlapped. <laughs> and and then like when I left Boulder within I wanna say like two or three weeks of being home, I met my now ex husband. And on that note, we're gonna go ahead and take a break and we will be back to conclude your journey in your next chapter. <laughs> Just trust me, okay? Love is it. 